Well, we're at the Texas High School Coaches Association Coaching School, and I'm sitting down with Alan Hare, who's the head football coach at Clean Chaparral. Coach, appreciate you taking the time here. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Coach, it's been a 30-year journey for you, but this is your first year at Colleen Chaparral, coming from Salado. Uh, as you head into this uh, next part of your journey here, what things have you most excited about your new program? Number one, I'm ready to meet kids. You know, we were able to – I started late February, but um, the first day I was able to meet kids. The school's not open yet, but we could do strength conditioning May 31st. And to meet those guys for the first time and starting to connect, uh, connects – the biggest thing you have to do as a coach before you ever think you can coach or challenge them to be better you got to connect and so just getting in front of them uh, getting our message across of how we can uh, give them an advantage and believe in them and promote them to be better uh, that's what's fun and engaging number one we started with we're going to teach them to make good decisions first be a good person you can't execute any play offense or defense until after until you feel good about yourself so if your self-esteem's low it doesn't matter. You're not going to make the play. So a lot of things we're trying to do is build them personally first and then work on that execution second. The the thing that's interesting and unique about this is that this is a new high school. So a lot of places you've been, I'm sure, you even when it's a new program for you, you're taking it over for the, the first year, there's still that history and tradition to build on. So in this situation where it's a blank canvas, how do you approach that? Well, we, we wanted to decide of, of um, our legacy is going to be this year's toughness. Of There's 55 ways to be a good football player or a better football player, but number one on that list is always mental toughness. And so we're getting some kids that may be second, third string, or maybe they didn't play at their previous school. Now there's a new school opening. They want to have an opportunity to play. And so with, with, with that being said, we want to create toughness within our program. Uh, but you can't create toughness until you get to know them. And so, again, we'll go back to connecting, go back to uh, getting to know them before we challenge them and uh, let that grow from there. But uh, we're working hard, strength conditioning. Luckily, in Texas, the UIL gives you two hours of strength conditioning, and they have 60 minutes of of, uh, sports-specific training a day if you so want to use it. We've been using about an hour inside, an hour outside, uh, as far as X's and O's, just fundamentals, you know, just – you know, terminologies and formations, both offense and defense. And so uh, those are some things that we start with from scratch. The building's not ready yet. Uh, you know, the locker rooms are not ready yet. They're, everything's really, really, really close. So a week from this week, we'll do some equipment sizing. So I'm excited to, to get that done. And I also hope that the, the facility is ready for that. And so as you can imagine, going into a a new high school the first day we were looking for water bottles we were looking for uh, the air pump we were looking for uh, needles to make sure we could get air in the balls and so I've been placed to floor where the balls were already aired up that's not the case here <laughs> well it, you know the other thing too is, is I'm thinking about this you know when we take a new job we're automatically going back to the tape of last year and how do these guys play together <laughs> and what can this kid do and that kid do and I'm going to slot him here and there and so maybe we have some preconceived notions about guys, uh, but maybe it's an advantage to, to go in and, and not have that stuff in front of you that you are with these guys. Everybody has a fresh start. Yeah, and I think the kids enjoy that. You know, when they can't say, well, coach has favorites. Yeah, you're all my favorite because you're out here. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there, there's no developed relationship that's already taken place, so they've all got an opportunity. Uh, they've, they've all got a, a chance to be a part of this team, and uh, we're going to try to merge all those 
different backgrounds into one, which that's that's fun trying to, to, to build that team. And I, like I told them the first day, this is their team. And uh, if they learn to trust me, then it'll be our team. But until then, it's their team, and we're trying to merge that thing in the right direction. You're bringing a lot of experience to the table and the things that you've done. And one of the things that you do, which is unique today, I think it was around a lot more in the past, but you run the slot T. So uh, especially for our listeners who have never seen the slot T, uh, explain to us how that offense is built and what are the things you really see that are unique to it? Well, I think you can take an average talent and teach them to go hard. And by their execution, you can give yourself an advantage to generate first downs, keep your defense off the field. Uh, it's a mentality. It's a mentality of, I don't ask much, just everything you got. We may not necessarily have some of the, um, you know, as we would say, D1 talent in certain positions. You don't need it in this offense because if you can get a, just a, a good average high school kid to play hard, you can be successful in it. But it's about speed of execution. It's about paths that you take as far as your backs and linemen. And then it's about, you know, your splits too, dealing with our linemen splits. So it's speed, angles, paths, alignments. You know, there's lots of number ones, but I'll go back on you got to master the stance because, you know, we're going to use a four-point stance, which doesn't mean it's any better than a three or a two. You've got to master that stance so that you can create leverage and you can get up under people's pad level and get movement. Yeah, that's a unique part of it as well. And I want to get back to that four-point stance in a minute here. But in looking at uh, this type of an offense, and especially in – in year one, I'm sure there's not a lot of this offense that you'll you'll face during the course of the year. What kinds of advantages does it provide over what you typically see now, which is a lot of you know 10 and 11 spread? Well, the, the advantage of is our kids they have not have they didn't have to play seven on seven. They didn't have to be throwing and catching all spring. They don't have to have their mental reps of of route recognitions and, and defensive front recognitions. It's it's is all new. So with that being said, if if you can learn a path and you can learn to go fast, uh, you, you can give yourself an advantage of learning that install quicker. Um, and then if say you get in the course of a season. Thursday would be a quick turnaround, but even when you play on Friday, other teams got three days to prepare. Say we're the only team on their schedule that runs it. Well, uh, then there's a lot of teaching going on that week. And so that may give us a little bit of edge, I'm not sure, but uh, we feel like it does. For for an opponent who's facing this, what typically are the, the things that cause them the most problems that does make it difficult to prepare for? Um, as far as preparing to, to defend our offense? Yeah. Uh, you know, seeing two tight ends. You know, seeing unbalanced formations, uh, uh, seeing you know single receivers with with a tight end, and 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 just the different alignments on who you're keying, whether you're keying guards or backs, or um, what you have to teach your kids in that short period of time when when the other the other schemes they face didn't cause them to have to do that. Yeah, I like that part of it too. And you mentioned it before we got going, the idea of. Are you king the backs? Are you king the guards? It's a you know uh, an offense that is heavy on misdirection, which I don't care what kind of, of set you're in, what kind of offense you're in. If you can find a way to put misdirection in, I think you're really uh, at an advantage in the way you can attack a defense. But you look for how they're keying your offense, and I think this is an important point. As more people have gotten away from some of these types of offenses. I think it's almost lost. You don't hear that kind of conversation anymore. But talk to me about that part of it and why it's important to understand who they're king. 
Well, from a, from an offensive coordinator standpoint, you know, you look at that thing and you, you start from the back end and you got one or two high. Well, if you know you got two high, you only got seven in the box. Well, if you got seven in the box, you, you've got two linebackers. Are those two linebackers cross kin or are they on guards? Or they're trying to look at the direction of the center's first step. I mean, there's a lot of different variables from that. And um, so you, you identify you got one high, now you got eight in the box with three linebackers. Well, nine times out of ten, when you got three, you're going to have an odd front. And when the odd front are those tackles penetrators, pluggers, or they read? And, uh, and then you have to go on your read of how's that hand placement of a defensive tackle? Is he trying to get his hands to the V, or is he just taking a path to an angle of your outside or inside hip? And those are the ones you determine whether you need to trap them or whether you need to power game them or G them. So there's those first few series of the game uh, will be a telltale sign of what you need to do as a coordinator to attack that defense. Um, so a, a lot of it goes into it as far as you're adjusting as coaches, but uh, that's what you need to be good at as a coach. We preach all the time about you know, two things coaches can do. They can give you an advantage and they can believe in you. And so in order to be able to give them an advantage, you got to know your system inside and out. In looking at your offense, you know, you look at any offense today, there's elements of things from the past that uh, make their way into what you would call, you know, today's modern offense, whatever it might be. And, and, and today's modern offense usually is some kind of rehash of something in the past that's come back in a different way. But um, looking at the things you do and mentioning, right, uh, you know, the, the, the two tight ends, we see more and more guys adding tight ends and, and things like that into the game. So, um, you know, we were in that era of 10 personnel spread and everybody was wide out, but we're seeing things go back the other way now. You know, in, in looking at that, if they were to look at your offense, what commonalities do you see with some of those teams who maybe are that 10, 11, even 12 spread type of team? Yeah, I think you're going to see power. You're going to see G. You, uh, you know, um, you're going to see inside trap, outside trap. It's all the same. It's just a condensed formation. Uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier about the misdirection, I mean, you can watch some of the – even the, the, the 10 personnel and those types of things, the spread and air radio. They all use some type of jet motion. You know, yep. they're, they're, they're bringing that jet uh, slot across and, uh, and, and sliding with him and zone reading with him, and, and the quarterback will keep, the quarterback can run power. Uh, but they're trying to do something to get the eyes off their keys. And so uh, I would say you're probably not going to watch a college football game without seeing jet motion. That's right. And so slot T does the same motion. Sometimes it's just high motion over the fullback. Sometimes it's just flat motion. So it's no no different scheme was from the two tight end or to a spread look to where that guy's jetting. He's jetting for a reason, whether it's jet sweep or whether it's just a misdirection. In in looking at personnel and the type of guys you need to play this, I mean, there's some offenses that get very specialized, and you need a certain type of quarterback to play things. Uh, are there positions within this offense you feel that need that specialization, or do you feel that trained right? You 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 have a lot of plug and play. You can train them right and put them where they need to be. Uh, you know, we like our guards to be fullbacks and fullbacks to be guards. Uh, your center's got to be able to think why he's touching the ball every play, you know, because snap counts are huge. Uh, your best blocker's usually over there at your strong tackle. And then when you go out to your tight ends, you know, they got only not only block, but if you might want to throw the ball, they got to have a decent um, fluidness about them that they could catch a ball. Backs are, again, will you go full speed even when you're not getting the ball? Because a lot of kids won't accelerate off a of fake when they're not getting it. But in our offense with three backs, they all have to accelerate when they cross the ball. You need to act like you just got handed the ball. And so um, the good thing about being a back in the offense is that you're all going to get ample amount of touches. You're going to get an opportunity. You may play guard your junior year, your, your senior year, you may be a fullback. So 
there's some interchangeable parts there. Quarterback is just can you get people to follow you? You know, uh, you may be a great talent, but who wants to follow a jerk? You know, and so um, uh, you got to be humble in the sense of some games you may throw it eight or ten times, some games you may not throw it but once. Uh, what's effective and efficient for our offense to be successful? Because at the end of the day, everybody likes winning. Yeah. You know, does it matter how we got there? Well, if you're worried about the, the style in which we got there, um, you know, that's going to be an empty road to fill because there's all kind of offenses out there, but in the at the end of the day, what gives you the best chance to be successful, and that's what we all want to be. Absolutely. So, Coach, you mentioned the four-point stance, and we've seen more and more a trend to even going to a lot of two-point stance. So, four-point uh, is almost foreign to anybody more in the game. And, and I remember in my time in working with USA Football, some of the people there contended, well, two-point stance will be safer. But, you know, what I've always believed and I have in conversations is that really you could be in a, a two-point, a three-point, a four-point. If you teach the technique correctly, it will be safe. That's that's really what it comes down to. So uh, for you, why do you like the four-point stance? What what do you feel it gives you guys an advantage in using a four-point? Uh, number one's attitude. Here we come, put your hands in the dirt, or the artificial grass, and let's go. Uh, there's no advantage to a three or a four. We've, we've studied it statistically and and from all different angles and what we boil down to is the number one priority of is we're going to do what other people are not going to do we're going to get in it if you watch some of these college teams and NFL teams and they get down the goal line they need fourth and one fourth and inches every single one of them are in a four-point stance grinded down in there ready to go and so it, it makes you think okay you're doing it because you're trying to get leverage and you're trying to get movement so it's the same principle but in this offense you have to master that stance because it's not it's not simple you got to have done it over and over and over. Um, you know, for us, it's 60% on your feet and 40 on your fingers. Uh, you never touch your palms on the ground. When you're looking, you're looking at your eyebrows. If you're looking at somebody, then you, your leverage is, is too high. Your, your rear should be a little bit above your head, but your eyes are looking at your eyebrows, and all your cleats should be in the grass. If, if you got cleats out of the grass, then too much weight on your hands. I know that. Rice loves that kind of stuff. Coach Bloomgren, Coach Davis, you know, they get down in those situations. They got their linemen down at low in yep. four-point stances, and they're going to win that ground. So uh, there's certainly a lot to be said in, in a, uh, that kind of a stance for run-heavy offense. But as you pointed out, there's a certain way to teach it too, right? If, if you do have too much of that weight uh, forward, I mean, you're going down. Yep. You are going to hit your head. Yep. You balance that stance out right, really, if it's two or four, uh, you can still play with a lot of control and be able to need be able to do what you need to do athletically. Yeah, it's just practicing it and doing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and then it becomes natural. Uh, we tell our kids, you know, to think to breathe the same way of getting in the stands. So, in in looking at uh, your offense and the way that you like to install it, and certainly there's been a lot of trends over the last uh, several years that people make popular, but. Uh, what's your install like in terms of this is how long it's going to take, this many practices for us to get this offense in? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it, there's not a prerequisite amount of time. I don't think we get really good at, at what we're doing until week three, four, five. You want to have it installed and, and repped before you get to your district games and what some states call conference games. Um, but we're going to start with the, the basics on the 200 series or fullback belly series before we go to the trap series and before we go to the waggle and the sweep series. But that install depends on the, the availability and the capacity of the kids and what they can understand. I don't have a, uh, 
uh, uh, calendar or map going into a new school, uh, especially some of these kids, we won't right. you know, have worked with them until the first day of practice. And so um, it's going to take some time, but I will say most slot T teams in week six, seven, eight, and nine, ten are a lot better than they were week one through five. It takes time. Yeah, in, in looking at your approach, even looking at some of your other schools, I think there's those times when you need to gauge it, right? How, how, how well are they learning this, this particular group? Uh, how is their execution improving? You know, in looking at that, how do you typically evaluate that and say, okay, we can move a little bit quicker right. here or we need to pull back on the reins a little bit? Yeah, we're not uh, – that's a great point. We're, we're not at the end of the day how many plays do we have and how many plays we've got in. We're going to get good at what we do and then we'll add as the kids can handle it. And then, of course, when you get to that playbook to where you feel your install is comfortable, when you start adding things, then what are you going to take away? Because we're, we're going to be good at one, two, three. And uh, once we feel like we're good at with those, and then as, as court, everybody thinks, well, I need to do this, this, and this. Well, that's when you get yourself in trouble because they hadn't, they hadn't repped it. And so we want to maximize our reps during practice. And uh, we want to out-rep them by the time we get to Friday. So, again, we've run that thing versus several different fronts when we get to Friday. So uh, the thinking has been taken out. And so now we just execute. And so you won't see us run a lot of plays. We just try to do what we run, try to execute it really, really, really fast and well. In looking that at that approach, uh, you hear a lot of coaches talk about, uh, you know, they do have a set of plays for certain situations. But then, you you know, looking at, you know, going – I was a, a wing tee coach for a long time, and the wing tee, things were more sequential. You know, we were going to start here. If they do this, we're going here. It was the if-then type of stuff. What's the approach for you? How do you look at handling situational offense versus things being sequential? So it's funny in a slot T type theory, and my, my – not that I'm right, but in my deal is um, – We've studied in game planning uh, their best players and their worst players, and we've ranked their, the other team's players from worst to best, and we're going to stay away from their best players. Yeah. And so we're going to fit our plays that, that work toward their worst players first and then go from there. So if they don't have any weaknesses over it, it may be a long night for us. Uh, <laughs> but we're definitely – we've done a lot of study on who we feel like we might be able to manage and who we can't. And so it, it's not about to us – down in distance or second and six or third and four is about where's number 56 lined up I'm not going at him you know and we're, we're going to make sure and, and execute something away from him and uh, it, it's the feel of the game too if we see somebody um, getting subbed in then, then to us that's an that's a signal of hmm wonder why he came in and wonder why he went out there at the beginning so we may want to find out what he is about if we see somebody with their hands on their knees and or hands on their hips and then they act a little bit tired and they're not coming off the ball well they're fixing to have another chance to make a stop because we're going right at them again. Those types of things, you know. Right, right. In looking at the other side of the ball, and especially in camp, getting those guys prepared for everything they're going to see over the course of the season. So while uh, every other team might only be seeing you once, these guys see you a lot in camp, but maybe they're not seeing all the other things that the spread types of offenses or whatever it might be that's different from what you guys do. How do you prepare them? on the defensive side of the ball to face a, a different type of offense than what you guys do? So the, they'll practice more against the spread look. They, they, 
we won't practice against ourselves. And the best world is we have 22 starters, 11 on offense, 11 mm -hmm. on defense. We might have to cross over a few of them. But they'll have outside hole, inside hole, and seven on seven every day. You know, we have the same problem when we face a team that runs what we run is maybe we hadn't seen it a lot. But if the kids have been in our system long enough, they've, they've either played on the offensive side or been on the fun team on the defensive side across from us to witness how fast things are moving and how physical things are. And so that demand is already there in their mental capacity of what it's going to take to participate or compete against this team. So you called it the fun team. Why do you call it the fun team? Yeah, it's fun. Nobody wants to be on a scout team. Nobody. I need some scout team players. But we script our fun team of who's going to be the fun team linebacker, who's going to be the, the fun team defensive end, because that team's going to go over and have some fun. It's all about perception and how they look yeah, at it. And yeah. so we reward a fun team player of the week for the helmet sticker who, who you know, enjoys being on that side of the ball and helping us. But when, when I say fun team as well, so if the first team is going their traps against the second – fun team well then when the ones are through with the traps the ones are going to go hold bags too for the fun team so everybody's going to get their turn to being on the fun team so it's not just an exclusive club of you're going to stand over there and never play and so again uh we're just trying to describe it as how can you best help this team and how can you be a team player uh, reward them thank them uh we wouldn't be where we are if we, if we didn't have those players on the fun team same thing for defense when they need fun team receivers to run routes against the dbs you know so we that's just a term we came up with to try to put a smile on somebody's face. In looking at this situation, brand new school, guys playing together really uh, for the first time as a group, I'm sure over the district they've played at different places together, but, but now together on one team, uh, certainly you've been in those situations where there's growing pain. So uh, whether that's this year or in any place you've been, how do you handle some of those growing pains where there's that vision of where we want to be, but maybe we're not quite there yet? Yeah, so you find out a lot about people when adversity strikes. And, uh, yeah, we're all in good moods now. Yeah, we're all working hard now. But uh, if you're unsuccessful, then how are you going to handle those times? And so we're going to have to teach them to, to take the highs with the highs and the lows with the lows. It, it, you know, the school board will take care of itself. But what we control daily is coming out here and working hard, enjoying that process. Don't worry about the result. And uh, you teach them to enjoy that process by, again, practices quick, fast, uh, fundamental, uh, lots of reps, and kids do not learn by hearing it. They learn by doing it. And so at our practice, you, you know, our coaches, you're going to coach on the run. There's not going to be stopping 11 to coach one. Come here, I'm going to show you this right I'll I'll lose my mind if I've got one coach making 11 kids listen to him when really they should be executing. Mm -hmm. Coach him on the run as he's walking to the next one. And so, yeah, there's going to be some uh, adversity along the way. Uh, the sun's going to come up. And uh, we're going to praise the good Lord both ways that we got this opportunity. And um, we're going to use that to, 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 to get better and to, to make us um, more prepared uh, to handle it next time around. And so um, it's, not the, it's, it's an event. It's, it's, it's not permanent. A game's an event. Uh, and so to, to accept that, understand that, we're all going to have it in life and uh, use it to get better. It should motivate you. So, Coach, i got to ask – you know, this is a step backwards in things. And looking at, and we're not there now, but you get to that point every year. It's the off season, and you're going to clinics and studying things. So, for a coach who runs a system that a lot of people don't, I mean, I'm not aware of a slot T clinic. Maybe you guys do have one, no. some secret place somewhere. No. But <laughs> uh, no, what's the approach for you and your your coaches when you go out and you you learn things and you see new ideas and how does your offense? 
evolve or how do you look at uh, how you just keep growing? How do you guys get better through, you know, gaining knowledge of, of the game? Yeah, so nothing stays the same. And two things happen every day. You either get better or worse. And so we're going to try to get better in the spring. And so we do that by going to talk to other programs that run it, uh, whether that's um, uh, just one day or whether that's uh, several visits throughout the spring. Uh, but you all learn about dialogue and bouncing ideas off each other. And there's several around the state within driving distance that, you know, we, we like to go talk to. And there's some of those guys that I've talked to uh, for many, many years that, uh, uh, hey, tell me something tell me something new you're doing this year. Tell me something that uh, worked for you well last year. And we just pick each other's brain. I think that's how you get better. You don't just wake up and just have knowledge. You got to go. If you want to be better, you got to go get it. Yeah, absolutely. The, the unique thing now, especially – after the pandemic is everybody really understands how to use the virtual world, how to use the digital world to get better. And really came across you for the first time on Coach Tube. I saw a slot T course by Alan Hare and, and I know you're maybe planning on doing some things, more things in the future. So looking at that, um, you know, what kind of advantages do you see something like Coach Tube being for not only you who can share now, but for people who need something different yeah I, and i've spoke you know after putting some of those out um youth league coaches in, in california and coaches all around the state that because i i leave my cell phone number and leave my email hey i've learned this from somebody i'll also share it but uh, if you're willing to reach out you know uh and so anything we do to give back to the game because we're all going to be done with our whistle one day and hang it up and we want this game to keep continually to get better and so um I'm always willing to help and share uh, more about, you know, the preparation part, the practice part, uh, the program part. I mean, there's so many things that go into it, the strength conditioning in the spring and everything you do and how you break and um, how you lift and, and how the intervals are timed. And, you know, everything translates to that game. So when the game comes around, you execute fast. But Coach Tube is a, is a great tool uh, to share knowledge when uh, probably a youth league coach from California have a hard time coming to Texas. and and talking for three days on, on anything, exactly. even though I did have a uh, – and I, I can't recall his name, but I had a coaching staff from um, Missouri drive down this spring and uh, spend two days with us on installing it and how to run it and wanting to learn more about it. And that's how you, that's how you do it. Yeah. You know, that's how you get better. Absolutely. Well, Coach, uh, you've shared a lot of great stuff with us here today and appreciate you taking the time at uh, coaching school here. But if you're to look at all the things you do as a coach and everything you're going to do with this new program, what's the one thing you do as a coach that gives your guys the winning edge? Uh, we're going to believe in them. Uh, we're going to teach them, really, character education first. Um, teach them how to make great decisions. Uh, talk to them about attitude. Um, I could go on and on. Before any project or game or practice, the domain of that practice, 92% is mental and 8% skill. So as a coach, when I was growing up, we went out and rep, the rep, rep, rep. Well, guess what? They may not have known about my self-esteem, my personality, my leadership abilities, uh, my self-portrait of how I thought I was or, or was or not. Uh, attitude is really, really, really everything. And it's all about how you look at, at, at the perspectives of uh, whether it's practice or a game. So. Well, we're going to teach them what is attitude. Well, that's the way you act, think, and feel. Mm -hmm. You know, what causes you to act that way? Well, it's because of the choices that you made, you know. And so, well, how do you make a good choice? Well, if you got to think about it, it means it's wrong. And so, especially with the kids that I'm, you know, that I'm 
around now and the availability to, to teach and coach this summer and into the fall. Of, I want them to leave our program a better person, not necessarily just a better player, because uh, we're all going to be done playing one day. Yes. And so football is what they do. It's not who they are. But as a coach, if you're not developing who they are, then you ought not be coaching. That's a great point, Coach. What's the best way for our listeners to connect with you? You're going to be busy here soon, but connect with you after the season and maybe learn more about what you do in your program. I do have a Twitter account. I started that in January. I I jumped on there. You know, I know that just came out, but uh, (laughs) my handle is uh, at Coach A. Hare. Coach A. Hare, but Alan Hare is my name, A-L-A-N-H-A-I-R-E. And uh, my email is alan.hare at Colleen, K-I-L-L-E-E-N-I-S-D dot org. Great. Well, Coach, again, thank you for taking the time, and best of luck to you and your team in 2022. Okay, thanks for having me.